welcome. The search for beauty can often be on an ugly path. From the world's greatest woman athlete, Serena Williams, to one of the world's most successful entertainers, Adele, who has recently come under the scanner for losing around 45 kgs, to new mothers like Kareena Kapoor. We've all been victim of it, and perhaps even guilty of doing it. I'm talking about making and thinking critical comments about one's body shape, one's looks, one's color, but has it gone too far? Why do we put women through this unjust beauty test and how much beauty is enough? How do we break through these established notions and look at beauty instead of looking at the flaws? How do we look beyond body type, complexion, scars on one face, on one's face, hair type, length, hair length, and to see new sizes and shades of beauty? That's what we're aiming to do tonight on We The People. A recently conducted India's Beauty Test 2020 report reveals some unsettling statistics. Statistics about the pressures and anxieties around conforming to a narrow ideal of beauty in the run-up to an arranged marriage. An alarming 9 out of 10 single women in India feel that they are judged and rejected based on their looks during the marriage process. Furthermore, 68% claimed that rejections based on beauty during the, the arranged marriage process impacted their self-esteem and their confidence. Now, Dove, their uh, Stop the Beauty Test, a film born out of conversations with women from across the country, captures some of these raw situations where women are judged during this matchmaking process for not being beautiful enough and it goes on to emphasize the unspoken impact of these judgments on their self-esteem and their body confidence. First, let's take a look at some of these real stories enacted by real women. This is not only our country, it's a story of the country's crores. I'm ready. Yes, I'm ready. Let's go, let's go, let's go. What is it, Didi? It's a story of the खूबसूरती की ये बदसूरत परख 
आखिर कितनी खूबसूरती काफी है डव खामिया नहीं खूबियां देखिए And joining us now is Priya Nair, Executive Director of South Asia Beauty and Personal Care of uh, Hindustan Unilever Limited. Uh, Priya Nair, firstly, congratulations. Beautifully done, hard hitting. It really should make every parent weep. And all of us ask ourselves of our role to play in propagating such beauty based judgment consciously or subconsciously. So, first, I want to ask you. How did you pick these four stories? What was the process? Was it hard? How did you narrow it down to these four issues? You know, uh, Sarah, firstly, thank you so much. It's really great to join you uh, and have a conversation on a topic that I think all of us will agree is truly important, uh, you know, all over the world, but in our country. Uh, you know, the first thing is that this entire issue of body dissatisfaction just be begins younger and younger now. And it's so worrying when you think of a young girl uh, in her teenage years growing up who's worrying about some of these things. But it's the run up to marriage that really, you know, where these issues come alive. I think you shared some of the statistics. Uh, but, you know, when you have 80% of women saying that I am likely to get rejected in, in a marriage situation uh, because I'm, you know, not thin enough, I'm not beautiful enough. You know, I don't have the right nose. I don't have the right eyebrows. I mean, the question really is, where does this all stop? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, where and how much of beauty is enough? So really, that's where we began this entire conversation with young women. And, uh, you know, as we met many young women who had gone through this rejection uh, in process of their run up to marriage, uh, these four stories really spoke to us of four beautiful, confident women and if you see them in the film, you would agree with me. They're absolutely beautiful, absolutely confident. And for them to say to us that, you know, this affected their self-esteem uh, and they would like to share uh, these stories to the world. So firstly, a big thank you to the four beautiful women who participated with us. But I can tell you there were many more stories and these are the four that we felt must be told so that we can inspire many more women uh, to actually feel confident, you know, that beauty is unique. It is not stereotypical. Uh, that, you know, everyone, beauty should be diverse. Beauty should be inclusive. Uh, and that's really what, as Dove, we want to share and empower young women to feel. And more, and it starts with empowering the woman herself, but we also live in a society. And so to support the campaign objective in order to herald a larger change, Dove is now taking this beyond. Is that true from uh, what I've read? Are you partnering now with leading matrimonial no. platforms? Is that, are you taking no, it beyond No, absolutely, in any way? Sarah, absolutely. So, you know, you're absolutely right. You know, the, the women in the end are the ones who are facing the challenge, facing the prejudice. And therefore, it's society that really needs to shift and change uh, many of these ideals, these stereotypes that we've created over time. And therefore, what we did is we partnered with Shadi.com to actually remove some of these filters that they have, you know, of tall, slim, fair, you know, these very stereotypical definitions of beauty. We've also partnered with Facebook, uh, really because social media is something where, uh, you know, we really need to push the conversation uh, and really create a no-filter filter. filter. Uh, and encourage people to really stop this beauty test. Uh, and that's really what we want to do as a brand. 
that's amazing, uh, you know, because we all think even as, as a journalist, I think, you know, what can I do? I've done my story. Now, that's, that's my bit. But you have to take it further. We have to work with other institutions too. So I'm so glad to hear that uh, Dove is doing that beyond just your ad. Like, we're not perpetuating stereotypes in our ad. We've done our bit. It doesn't stop there. That's great. But, you know, for um, many women in various fields, no matter their station, there is this added relentless pressure to maintain a certain look. It's a standard their male counterparts do not face. It's a standard that takes a psychological and emotional toll, where women we find are judged not just by their character or by their merit, but by an aesthetic. But there are a handful of companies, like we've just heard from uh, Dav and Priya Nair and celebrities, it's a small but growing group who are working to try and change this narrative around what are acceptable standards of the female body. And one of them, uh, actor Nandita Das uh, joins us. Uh, Nandita, thank you so much for your time. Uh, you speak very often on these issues. Studies have shown that while both men and women are aware of the importance of appearance for social functioning, women are judged more by their looks than men in various spheres uh, of of life your thoughts uh, and have you felt this and experienced this i mean it's sort of tied into the overall patriarchy that uh, that's been there for so long where the woman's worth is almost seen as you know as an object as something that you that you desire but at the same time you also you know do not see that person as a complete human being so you see them as an object and when you objectify a woman, then how they look, it's like a little gift. It's like a little package. And uh, then how they look becomes very important. And how they look and that perception is so narrowly defined that even the definition of beauty is so standardized. It's almost like this is the kind of hair you should have. This is the kind of nose. This is how thin you should be. You know, So every parameter is kind of laid out. And everyone's kind of trying to fit into that parameter because otherwise you're just not uh, seen as being desirable. So, um, so I think it's going to take a long time, unfortunately, because it's so deeply ingrained yeah. just this idea of the, you know, what, what a woman is supposed to serve when that changes. And of course that in itself is not just a concept. It manifests in so many small ways that it's only simultaneity of all those little things, the perceptions, the way we behave with women, the way women have also internalized patriarchy and how we view our own selves. So it's tied into many different things. Unfortunately, there is no easy solution. And when all these things happen kind of simultaneously, when we all realize we are somewhere complicit in it and we make those small changes in our perceptions, in our prejudice, in, our, in the way we look at women and our own selves, um, hopefully things will change. And they are. I mean, younger women, I think, questioning a lot more. Yeah. Uh, you know, they are not taking things lying down. Many of the things that we probably silently negotiated with are, are being called out. So I think there is, there is a change in the way that uh, these days women are reacting to this kind of an objectification. And the irony is you pointed out that it's so ingrained that sometimes women ourselves don't know, uh, we're aware that we're judged, but we're also doing it, right? The roles of mothers-in-laws, for example. How do we break out of that? We do, because, you know, I mean, patriarchy impacts us as well. We are not out of it. We have also deeply internalized it. We have also given ourselves that worth. You know, if you see in social media, look at all these filters that have come up, which make you look like someone else. 
and imagine growing, you know, sort of getting up every morning and looking at yourself in the mirror and then posting images of yourself that actually isn't the same person that you see and you don't like yourself. You know, you say, oh my God, I've got wrinkles and I've got now my hair is like this and my nose is like this. And you want to kind of change and that face manages to change it in a way that it can make you can homogenize and make all of us kind of look similar with big eyes and the high cheekbones and jaw like this and you know smooth skin and so it's um, so we have internalized it as well but always the burden is also on the victim if i can use the word but in the sense of changing things but but as a society if we all become a bit more aware that it's something that we all get impacted by that the world would be a better place without all of this prejudice then you know, we as women who are in, have internalized and also men who have created sort of at some level this demand. I mean, look at the matrimonial ads. Have they really changed over the years despite the fact that a lot more women are vocal? I mean, these days I'm trying to put a crew together for my next film and I'm seeing so many young women who were assistants for such a long time are now becoming filmmakers. You know, they are so it's very heartening it's not that everything is a doom there are lots of women who are i'm sure in the media you see a lot more women coming up and you know but but whether you are um, and as an anchor probably you have more pressure or maybe as an actor if i'm going to act in a film but even a scientist even a you know college professor or you can be doing any role and the burden of how you look has unfortunately increased and it there is a kind of an irony because here we are, you know, women are becoming more woke, we're asking more questions, we're becoming more vocal, and at the same time, we are taking the burden. And I think to some extent, the social media is also responsible for it. I mean, not the social media per se, because it's a neutral space, but how we are using it is also, um, I think, to some extent responsible, because we are putting a side of ourselves and then judging ourselves and each other on the basis of, the image that we put out. Nandita, thank you. And you've raised this very important uh, point uh, to take this conversation further, this, you know, this new factor in the equation. Priya Nair, um, you heard Nandita there, you know, the Dove campaign for real beauty is about 20 years old, right? If you consider its origins in the US uh, since 2004, since its inception, you've had these beautiful, some would say provocative ads, and you've been chipping away slowly at the issue of beauty uh, inequality, but the problem is that the times are also changing, right? And you have to, and the goalpost keeps changing, and you have to keep up with the times. Now, as Nandita points out, there's we're now living in this whole new social media world, and actually, over the past year, we have all spent so much time looking at ourselves on a computer, whether it's a Zoom meeting where you know your eye keeps looking at yourself instead of the conversation, whether we're taking selfies. We're at home, online, all of the time. Social comparisons are happening. The younger generation is, has these influencers all the time uh, that they're looking up to. And social media is designed or is used to further create division, polarity, etc. Uh, what are you? Has Dove also moved? I, I read something about a digital distortion campaign. But what are you doing to keep in these times, in touch with these times? No, so Sarah, you're absolutely right. In the end, you know, uh, it's a great space to have a conversation on uh, social media. And I don't think the challenge is social media. I think the challenge is the times in which we live. Social media is just a platform uh, people are using to express themselves. Actually, we tied up with Facebook uh, to create a no digital distortion filter. 
so you really that's really the challenge the way women today distort their images uh, to really show the side of them which is uh, you know uh, unachievable almost like the stereotype and living to the stereotype uh, so facebook and uh, dove uh, sort of partnered and built this idea dove has a policy of no digital distortion uh, and that's really keeping in with that we had this filter which we designed and really encouraging everyone to use the filter and really stop this entire very unfair and unequal uh, beauty tests that women subject themselves to and uh, society you know is a part of that but really firstly as women ourselves are uh, taking charge and not allowing these distortions uh, and feeling comfortable and confident in your own skin so really the question we have to ask is you know are we empowering ourselves as women yeah. um to really have that confidence and you know is uh, are we creating a societal context uh, in which we allow especially young women yeah. uh, to feel comfortable confident in their unique selves as, and and feel uniquely beautiful well i'm glad uh, to uh, have now on the show someone who's absence no to filters uh uh the fourth story in that campaign uh, brought up the issue of body shaming which can be humiliating it can be a painful it can have long term consequences you uh, it mocks and stigmatizes its victims often tears down self respect as we saw with mehak in the dove campaign and perpetuates a harmful idea that a unique physical appearances should be compared to airbrushed notions of perfect right so as uh, ms nair says let's say no we cannot should not be tolerating this anymore body shaming is not a new phenomena for women we don't need to look further than you know the former us president the republican uh, donald trump he's on record making derogatory remarks about women and their looks it wasn't even during the campaign it was through much of his public life he's done this expressed disdain for women solely based on physical appearances and yet he went on to become the president of the united states how is that possible it is so ingrained now um, and today teenage girls are inundated with the tsunamis of perfect body images through their social media feeds and people comment on these images it's sometimes disparaging there are dismissive tones but there are also on social media people who are calling out these body shamers and doing good work to build up body confidence and so i am now so pleased to have on the show today sakshi sindwani she is one of india's first plus sized fashion content creators don't hide the curves flaunt them is her mantra that's what i've come away with because i follow style me up with sakshi let's just give you a glimpse of <laughs> what i why i follow her beauty it's so beyond your height your weight your skin color it's beyond the beauty standards and it's definitely beyond all of these tests join me as i pledge with dove to stop the beauty test go try out this filter definitely share your stories and don't forget to tag dove all right uh, sakshi congratulations on everything that you've done welcome you have been changing the way the fashion industry and society views women with curves you have a different perspective on size how did you start your journey as a, a youtube blogger how have you come here <laughs> Oh um, my god thank you firstly thank you so much for the kind words and for having me it's truly an honor one to work with a company like dove like this is everything that i stood for i also remember putting dove in my vision board like a 
a bazillion years ago that I wanted to work with the company that stood for the things that I so passionately stood for. So it's truly an honor to be here and talk about these things. Finally, we're at least talking about it. Yeah. And that's change in itself. Um, but yeah, when I started my journey as a content creator, I just knew that I had to feel represented. Uh, I was always interested in fashion, even being a big girl, if I may say so myself. I was always interested in fashion, beauty, and I never, like I would look at like magazines and I would look at movies and I would never feel represented. And that was a huge issue for me. Um, to the point that everybody was like, in my school, I remember everybody was like, you should definitely do something in fashion. But then they were like, but you got A grade, so you might as well do science. And also like, how could you be in fashion? Like everybody had that second thought, how could you be in fashion because you don't look like a person in fashion. And that for me needed to change. That's why I started my journey on social media. I started on YouTube kind of creating content around curvy fashion, around curvy women. Um, honestly, because I was really tired. I wanted to see the change. And I just like something clicked in me and I said, I have to work towards the same change that I wanted to see, like since I was a child. Um, and yeah, I've been working. I, I don't congratulate me yet because there's still so much work to do. There's still so many stereotypes. There's still so many things to unlearn and there's still, still so many things to learn. So it's still such a long way to go, but at least finally we're talking about it. We've started talking about uh, body shaming, body positivity, body neutrality, body dysmorphia, things like that, you know, which has always been there. I remember my mother struggled through it. My, my grandmother, they've been telling me stories since, I don't know, ages about how they were body shamed. Um, and now, you know, of course, and this body shaming doesn't end. I mean, I still, I'm still like body shamed till this day, even though um, I am on social media and I talk about body positivity literally and body neutrality literally every single day of my life I still um, get a lot of hate about how I am promoting obesity or I'm promoting being fat and unhealthy lifestyles even though I honestly as a brand and as as a creator one thing that I always promote is you have to work on your health and you have to work on your fitness and it doesn't matter how you look it's what is inside and it's about time that we saw that well, so basically what, what I like about you is that you make the clothes fit the body and not the other <laughs> way around. And that's yeah. what you think this industry should work yes. towards. But I want to ask you, look, you've, um, you've graced the cover of Harper's Bazaar. You've walked the ramp for Shivan and Naresh. You are a poster child for the Indian body positive movement. I mean, basically, as you can all see, she's a confidence booster. It's like having an <laughs> energy shot, a Java shot in a pill. But Sakshi, you know, the point is that it's human nature to want to be liked, to be accepted, no matter what the audience or the medium. And, and when you're saying you are, uh, even today, uh, people criticize you or body shame you, how do you not get this negativity get to you? Because you can't unsee those things, those hateful things. You get up in the morning and you hear them. I think the simplest way is to have your affirmation so strong because I have trained myself to think in a certain way every single second of my life. It's not just something that I start my day with. I continue doing that. I continue affirming myself that I need to be comfortable in my own skin because also because of the job that I have, the things that I do. Um, I can have weak moments, but I have to remember to kind of bounce back. And that's very important. We have to kind of... I, there's like one, one funda, one... Uh, I think this is almost like a crash course for people who want to be confident is that, you know what, when you radiate the level of confidence or positivity from you within you, everybody starts to like, everybody's opinions start to dimmer down. 
and it's just a fact i've seen this with myself um every single time i was insecure in a public setting people could maybe understand or you know maybe feel my energies and they would start you know building on my insecurities mm. and i think that's where we lose um it's all about us it's never about them and a lot of the times a lot of the things that we look maybe we're sitting in a certain way and our a little bulges out mm-hmm. or maybe we've had too much food the pants are not fitting in it's just in our heads we keep thinking the other person is seeing it the other person is actually noticing but they're not noticing okay um and so i, I just want to ask when head. you say you have bad days do you share that on your uh, yes. okay 100% 100% for me uh, being real is my it's not just my usp it's my it's my lifestyle it's the way that i live so even if i show uh, you know a, a certain glamorous version of myself being in the fashion industry i also you know uh, sometimes i wake up and i have absolutely no makeup on my face i've just woken up with all the um, you know messed up hair and just my real self and i would go online and and make stories because i just want women to see that even if it's social media it's real people and ultimately i'm here to build a community and make a real change how can i do that if i keep showing people a filtered version of myself and then i'm not doing justice to the content that i'm making for more part you sakshi thank you so much for joining us in this important conversation on evolving the definition of beauty let's go in for a short break is more on the other side Welcome back. Now for decades media has pushed unrealistic images of how the female body should look. It's coming from everywhere. This includes movies, television, print in recent years. Social media has now taken body shaming to a new level. The rise of social media in the past 5 years has only exacerbated the issue. Joining us now is Dr. Professor Devraj Shom, a, a, a plastic surgeon, a facial surgeon and cosmetic surgeon and super specialized in facial plastic and cosmetic uh, surgery dr shom thank you uh, thank you for your time what have you noticed are uh, younger children coming into you more uh, you know priya nair i was talking to her uh, earlier on the show and she was twice more than once she emphasized on you know younger younger is that what you've seen on the ground uh firstly thank you for having me here and uh, i truly empathize with all that is going on in this country it's fantastic to have these conversations i call myself a male feminist and it breaks my heart to see on a daily basis that it's not a equal world for women it breaks my heart to see that it will probably remain an unequal world for a prolonged period of time and it's really sad the way we have managed to objectify everything and everyone i always say that the grass is greener on the other side people who have white skin and caucasian white are trying to look darker and people who i think have the perfect skin asian indians which looks good on every other color want to really go ahead and make it fairer so uh, that that's one part of the story the second part of the story is that it's not only about women i have heard mm. uh, what priya had to say i had heard what you had to say i'm worried about the detrimental effects of technology as a whole the way we look at ourselves on a zoom camera the way we look at ourselves in the eyes of someone else who's like watching us from 6 feet away and the way we look at ourselves on our selfie camera are actually three different faces sure. the closer you get to the face 
the more it zooms up certain proportions of the face and that's leading to body dysmorphia, face dysmorphia. We conducted a clinical trial because we wanted to see, especially during the lockdown, etc., whether being on social media and being on Zoom for prolonged periods of time was causing changes in the wiring of our brains. Now, this particular trial is in, uh, titled as Are Selfies Really Destroying Your Confidence? Mm. And this was published in one of the top American journals. And we found that people who were taking selfies and using filters all the time actually reached a stage where they did not want to meet people in person because the pictures that yeah. they had been putting up were nothing like what they looked actually in life. And that's not about women. It's also about men. It's also about the detrimental use of technology. Joining us is Radhika Gupta, MD and CEO of Edelweiss Mutual Fund. She set up uh, India's first domestic hedge fund and has become India's only female head of a major asset manager uh, management uh, and is one of the youngest top executives in the Indian mutual fund industry. Thank you so much for your time, Radhika. Um, an alarming 9 out of 10 single women in India feel they are judged, they are rejected based on their looks during the marriage process. We've been uh, focusing on that. This is a, a finding based on an independent study done in the year 2020. But what about the workspace? What about corporate world because we're increasingly seeing more and more women uh, working. Is there a higher standard there for women too? This is this is an interesting question and I, I'm glad you brought up the issue. I, I don't think there's any Indian woman or, or even man, I mean men tell me this ever since I've spoken out, who doesn't at some point feel insecure or uh, judged for their looks. Um, I think women have it sometimes uh, a little bit harder. You know, my, my experience in the corporate world suggests two things. One is that uh, a lot of the judgment that you inflict on yourself is internal, uh, you know, so there's already a lot of internal pressure because of the kind of things you grow up hearing from a random uncle or aunt, um, you know, and then sometimes because you're a woman versus your male counterparts, you know, you'll get the occasional comment about your look. Sometimes it's positive, but the question is, why should anyone comment on your looks? Why should that come into the equation uh, is my belief. Um, and I think sometimes in today's sort of online and trolling driven world, even the slightest comment, you know, um, can hit you very, very hard. Um, and, and I think women unfortunately happen to be a target of it. And Radhika Gupta, you know, I follow you on Twitter and there's a lot of sage advice on uh, how to be financially independent, etc. But then there was this one tweet where you talk about a squint in the eyes, a broken neck, weight issues for years, a lot of questions as a child, some even now, uh, how every girl is judged for her appearance. Every girl has once dreaded looking at her pictures. Me too. Why would you choose, you know, given your profile, what you do on your Twitter feed, why did you um, decide to tweet this? Why did you choose to share this? What can you tell us a little bit about this experience? I, I, I had two conversations. One is I talked about sort of the uh, tilt in the neck and I did it in a TED talk and I, I, I actually kind of did it for my own self-confidence. Uh, the interesting thing though, Sarah, is when I did until date, I have men and women, both men and women writing to me about how the video uh, asked them to think about their own look issues. So I've had men talk to me about 
deformities in their cheek. Women talk to me about baldness. People talk to me about height and all of those sort of insecurities. And the second incident, which is the tweet that you're referring to, was, was a really interesting one. I think there was a picture of six CEOs that was put in an article. Um, and none of us look perfect, right? No, no one looks perfect. because, But because I was the woman, someone actually called out the squint in my eye. And my point was none of the six of us look perfect. But why do you have to call out the squint in my eye? And in, you know, in my pre-broken neck days, I would have felt bad about it. And this time I was like, you know, I'm just going to take on the troll head on and say that, listen, I think I'm very nice looking because I've had a phase for the first 30 years of my life where I was convinced I was ugly looking and I hated looking at my pictures. Um, and I'm well past that. I think we're all fine looking. And that's exactly what I wrote. And I got a lot of support from men and women both um, when I did that. Um, so I think one of the learnings is also that you have to just take these things head on because, you know, if you believe you're beautiful, you're beautiful enough. All right. Thank you. Uh, all right. And in addition, I may just also want to tell our, our viewers that in addition to running Edelweiss, Radhika is a public speaker. She mentioned that YouTube video. Uh, it's a talk called The Girl with the Broken Neck. It's been viewed more than 100,000 times. And in that, she very aptly says, she wraps up, I remember that stayed with me. She said, celebrate your perfections. Celebrate your imperfections. Celebrate everything in the middle because when it comes together, this is your story in the end. We have Amea and Pallavi. And uh, Amea and Pallavi, thank you for your time. You both uh, discuss the joys, the pain, the learning, the dark humor of being, uh, of being fat, I guess. Uh, that's how you put it on your podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about, uh, about this podcast? Why do you do what you do? How did it start? So we talk about the joys and sorrows of being fat women in India. Uh, we both identified as fat women uh, for a lot of our lives. And we met one magical day in 2019. And it was great to have a conversation with another woman who was comfortable in her skin. And that's why we decided that we have to have these conversations and we have to have them in a public space where other people also hear the fact that you can have a life. Um, I love what Sakshi said that you know, it is about um, going ahead, bringing that confidence within you and then seeing the world change. So no, has the, the world changed? Like, have. why did you decide to go public with this as in with a podcast? So, and what impact has it had? Essentially, both of us felt that um, when we were much younger, and we were really, really buying into this idea that you had no value, because your body was fat, you won't get a boyfriend, you won't get a husband, you won't get a job, Countless things like this have been said to us, right? Everything we were was reduced to the size of our bodies. As we got older, because now I'm almost 40 and Pallavi's already outpaced me there, we have came to the, realize that a lot of this doesn't really matter. And it really hurt us because if you think about what I could have done with my life if I had heard this when I was 16 years old. Mm. Instead of hearing Moti, instead of having people laugh at me because I liked a boy, or any of those countless things. Instead of, if I had been if I'd been encouraged to just move my body and do whatever I wanted, not laughed at because look, fat person is running, things like that. Mm -hmm. So we decided we just wanted to go back in time and talk to ourselves. We couldn't do that. So we said we'd put a podcast out there. We said these are conversations that happen in the West and they need to happen here because Indian society it has its own problems as well. Because, you know, a lot of Indian women, you get the, beta tum bahut patle ho. 
और खाना खाओ यू सो थिन इट सम बट ऑन दी अदर हैंड यू ऑल्सो गेट दॉड यूर सो हेल्दी यू हैव टू लूज वे यू नो इट अदर लेवल इज वर्ल्ड टू थिन एंड टू फैट no nobody can be perfect in this world so that's why we did it as for impact i mean we get messages all the time from people who reach out to us and and tell us they feel like they're seen and heard for the first time in their lives that has so much value to us but much like sachi said we get a lot of trolls too of course and worse in fact than trolls we get lots of men who like to be little hearts and 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 <clears throat> well that's the polite ones uh, on our instagram <laughs> Uh, okay we have some uh, audience uh, members who are wanting to get in so i'm going to keep quiet for a second and let me just uh, listen to uh, some of them i think we have anshpreet kaur before we come back to uh, ameya and pallavi hello am i audible yeah yeah go ahead anshpreet thank you for the opportunity uh, so my first question is characters like skin color height weight etc have been considered as the parameters of beauty since time immemorial which is absolutely unjust and improper way of defining it as a beauty product company how does dove define beauty and how would it promote its products according to that definition and my second question is to make the society disregard its stereotypes is a matter of time if any company wishes to go against the stereotypes of beauty how would it affect the sales of the process of promoting and redefining it okay let me get few more uh, uh, priya you can prep for that uh, question well let me get few we have samyukta thakkar uh, she uh, joins us samyukta go ahead uh, thanks for having me here so i have two questions the first one is we have uh, absurd beauty standards in india people with light skin apt height and you know slim bodies are considered beautiful and if someone fails to match these standards they don't fall in the category of beautiful uh, who is beautiful and how can beauty be concise to a narrow def- definition set up by the societal norms also beauty brands that are doing a multi million business in india are doing it by projecting unrealistic beauty standards and hence are only successful because they show the beauty according to society criteria how can these brands instead focus on celebrating uh, celebrating blemishes instead of perfection so uh, uh priya would you like to answer both of these questions and i'm fascinated too did you think at dove that this would pay off uh in the beginning has it paid off uh, i mean it's a wonder it's a uh, historically one of a great ad campaign success super successful ad campaign but monetarily so you know firstly thank you so much for raising this uh, to the young women who raised both these issues uh, you know uh, I-, i want to reassure you that there are enough women in this country who actively choose dove it is one of the largest beauty and personal care brands in the country and if that's not an affirmation of the stand uh, that stereotypes alone are not what sells because i think the question that they're both raising is this you know does this stuff sell and i think i just want to reassure you that it is one of india's largest beauty brands and the reason is that you know there is a positive inclusive definition of beauty uh, that dove is championing one that empowers young women and shows real women so dove only casts real women Uh, has no digital distortion and therefore to the point of saying you know what do these products offer consumers 
these products offer consumers dependable products that allow them to care for themselves, nourish their skin, uh, take care of themselves and feel empowered by beauty. Beauty doesn't have to be a source of anxiety. Beauty can be a source of positiveness, positivity. Beauty can be a source of happiness. And I think it is about having that unique definition of beauty. And I think one of the young women raised it, saying that, you know, it's really about breaking the stereotype of perfection. Uh, and I think that we need more brands like this in the beauty industry who are actually broadening the definition of beauty. Because I think feeling beautiful, feeling happy, I think there is, it's absolutely what each of us want to be, whether we're a young girl, a young man, uh, you know, we want to be the best versions of ourselves. It's the stereotype that's a challenge and that definition of perfection. And I think we need more brands to join the bandwagon. Absolutely. But let me ask you, Priya, you know, in some cases, these brand purpose campaigns are successful, like Dove's campaign for real beauty. It's, you know, in the top 10 brands globally, from what I've understood. But there are times where brands miss the mark, right? You're trying to be woke, but you come across as insincere. Pepsi's Kendall Jenner debacle is one example of that. This is a very sensitive issue. In a country which is getting more and more sensitive by the day, why do you think you've not felt any like shade or throwback and that you don't come across as gimmicky? It's like a gimmicky emotional appeal from what is essentially a packaged goods giant. No, no, absolutely. I think, you know, you're absolutely right. Firstly, this is a very sensitive issue. I think, you know, it's not something you can just do as a campaign. If it's an ad campaign, consumers will see right through it. Uh, it has to be a brand philosophy. It has to be what the brand stands for. Uh, you know, one of the things I want to share is that Dove runs something called the Dove Self-Esteem Program. Uh, this has all over the world already reached out to 70 million young girls. And it's actually a program which we run where education created along with a trained academician uh, is rolled out to young girls to help them actually grow in self-esteem and in confidence. And in India, we will reach out to 6 million young girls. So if it was just an ad campaign, um, you know, it won't work. Uh, consumers are very sharp, very smart. It, it yep. can't be a one-off idea that a brand suddenly takes charge of. I think it has to be, you know, what the brand lives for, what the brand is born for. And Dove is born for that. Dove's purpose uh, of existence on the earth is to create that definition of inclusive, positive beauty. And I think that's the differentiator, Sarah, between brands who take it up as a one-off idea, an emotional purpose, uh, but not really what it stands for in its heart and its soul. Well, thank you all for your individual interventions in this, for your time today and uh, for joining us in our attempt uh, to make beauty a positive experience and universally accessible to every woman. Thank you all for joining us on We The People tonight.